called When Pigs Fly. Um, this is a colloquialism um, that you may not be familiar with. Um, it, it's kind of a, a sarcastic remark um, that's used whenever something's likely to not happen. Um, so I, I've got a, a friend of mine hasn't dated in a few years and hasn't even asked anybody out. And he goes, man, I'm thinking about asking out this girl. And my response is, yeah, when pigs fly, um, because it's probably not going to happen, right? Like I want it to, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, or, or, or mom and dad are going to get us a, a new cat, right? Uh, man, when pigs fly. Um, or bless your heart. Either of those will probably work in that situation. Um, but, but when pigs fly is an expression to talk about something that will probably never happen, right? And so this series is about miracles. Um, we, we, we talk about miracles a lot, but I believe that, that, for, for the, that miracles have lost their power in our culture, right? Because here, here's what happens is you're going to the mall, right? And you're driving around and, and then all of a sudden up towards the front of the, of the mall, a parking spot opens up and you're like, man, it was a miracle that I found a parking spot, right? Listen, that's not a miracle, it's some old lady who left Dillard's getting whatever it is that you get at Dillard's who happened to be leaving at the same time that you did that pulled out and then you were able to pull into their spot. That's not a miracle, right? A, a miracle is when God supernaturally intervenes. So here would be a miracle at the mall. If you were going to the mall and all the parking spots were full and there was nowhere to park and then all of a sudden God supernaturally parted the cars and you pulled into a spot, that would be a miracle, Right? But you see, we have problems, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have problems. And problems are a great opportunity for us to build our faith and to believe for miracles, but many times we don't. Why? Because we treat life the way we always have done it. Well, God didn't come through me before, so why would he come through for me now? God didn't do it then. What makes it any different now? I prayed for that, and God did nothing, so God must not be a God who does miracles anymore. And can I tell you, I just don't believe that's true. I believe that we still serve a miracle-working God. And when we study scriptures, I believe that we see four types of miracles. Um, the first one is miracles of healing, where God supernaturally touches a body and heals it. I believe that there are miracles of protection where, where God supernaturally protects people from harm. I believe that there are, are miracles of provision, story after story where God has come through monetarily for people or provided things that people needed. Um, and, and the fourth thing that I believe there is, is I believe there are miracles of deliverance. Now, that's probably the one that's not talked about in the church very often. Right? Why? Because it's pretty dark when you begin to talk about it. Right? And the truth is, it's kind of creepy. Right? When, when you begin to talk about demons, it's kind of weird, right? Uh, and, and here's the truth I believe there's probably some of you in here that are like, oh, I don't even believe in demons, anyways, right? That's not real stuff. But I believe that the greatest trick that the, that the devil ever created was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Right? 
I believe the greatest trick is he convinced the world that he didn't exist. And so even in churches, we often don't talk about the demonic and we don't talk about the real enemy that we face. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Listen to me, your wife, your husband, your kids are not your enemy. Your mother-in-law, your father-in-law are not the enemy. It says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, so what is a demon? I, I think a lot of times we get confused about what is a demon. And some of you in here, you're like, man, it's my, my old mean uncle Bob. When, when he died, man, he surely became a demon because he's just evil, right? Um, listen, your uncle Bob is not a demon. Um, demons are, are fallen angels. Um, this, if you want to study a little bit more, research on your own. Uh, most theologians bring an understanding of demons in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 14, and the New Testament, Revelation 12. Um, Isaiah 14 uh, talks about Lucifer. That's another name for the devil. Um, Lucifer makes uh, five I will statements. Essentially, to summarize, he says, I will be like God. He says, I will ascend to the highest place. And, and five different times he said, I will be like God. Yet God says, there is no one like me. And so God cast Lucifer out of heaven. And Lucifer, Lucifer who was a, a worshiping creature, um, some even believe that he was kind of like a worship leader in, in heaven, was cast down because he became competitive with God. He got thrown out of heaven, and then Lucifer takes with him one-third of the angels. And so God cast him out of heaven, and in Revelation 12, um, a third of the angels became demons. And so, kind of likened it this, there is one devil, right, Lucifer, but many demons. Um, what, what is an angel to God, a demon is to the devil, Okay, demons do the work of our spiritual enemy in the dark realms trying to take people away from the kingdom of God, right? If, if you were to ask me what I believe the church gets wrong when it comes to the forces of darkness, I believe there's two big mistakes that we make as a church. The first one is I believe that we overemphasize demonic influence, right? There's a demon under that rock. When you're sitting at home, the, the phone fell off the hook because a demon knocked it off. Right, or I cussed them out and flipped them off in, in my car because the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You're just a jerk, right? And, 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 and you're like, I've got no money because of the devil. No, you've got no money because you bought three outfits. You went on a vacation you couldn't afford. You're driving cars you can't afford, and you're living in a house that's above your means. It's not because of the devil. It's because of your poor life decisions. Listen, not every problem is caused by demons, Right? Contrary to what you would want to believe, the devil didn't make you eat the whole thing. The devil made me eat the entire pie. No, your gluttonous self made you eat the entire pie. That ain't very popular, is it? I'm going to get back to my notes. The second thing that I believe we as a church get wrong is I believe that we underemphasize demonic influence. Right? Not every problem is caused by demons, but I believe that there are more problems than most realize that are caused by dark forces. 
right? And, and in, the chor- in the church, I don't know what a church is, but a church, you've got both camps, right? You've got the people that believe that the devil did everything. The devil made me get a zit. No, you haven't showered in two weeks and washed your face, Right? Or, 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 or the devil made me speed, and that's why I got a ticket. No, you sped because you broke the law, and then a good abiding police officer pulled you over and gave you a ticket. Well, he was just for the devil. Listen, he wasn't for the devil. He was doing his job. Right? Y'all don't be looking at those two. It's not their fault. Quit speeding. It ain't the devil. It's you being stupid. Right? Well, well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm going to win them to the Lord. That's why I'm dating them. No, you're an idiot, and they're going to pull you down. And you're going to do things that you never intended to do because I'm missionary dating. Bullcrap. You're being led by your lust, and you need to quit. Notes. <laughs> quit blaming everything on the devil. Listen, sometimes bad things happen, and it ain't got nothing to do with the devil. Listen, the devil didn't cause you to have a flat tire. You ran over a nail, all right? The devil didn't superimpose himself in your spouse, and that's why you're fighting, because your spouse is full of the devil, and if they just get right with God, then we wouldn't fight. Listen, as much as you want to believe it, your spouse is not the devil, Right? Sometimes things happen. Sometimes you fight in a marriage because you're just not communicating right. Or because you thought you communicated something and you didn't. You thought you put it in the calendar and you realized that you saved it under the youth group instead of the home. Right? And, and sometimes things just happen. And you know what else just happens? Being a jerk right? Can I just say there's no place in the kingdom for jerks? I think too often in the church, we've, we've allowed people to act a certain way. Well, that's just because that's just how they are. No, they're just a jerk. And can I tell you, if, if your friends would say you're a jerk, you probably need to do something about it, right? Be, because God didn't call us to be jerks. I, I've read the Bible a lot, and I've never seen anywhere that God said, once you follow me, you will become the biggest jerk there is. Right? And can I tell you, I think I'm kind of like Peter sometimes. I think Peter was kind of a jerk occasionally, and yet God kept working with him. Listen, maybe you're a recovering jerk like me, and maybe you just need God to do something supernatural. Can I tell you, God can. But can I tell you, it ain't the devil making you act like that. You're just a jerk, and you need to stop. Right? But listen, sometimes, sometimes it is the enemy. And we've got to learn to discern when it's the enemy and when it's just cause and effect, right? So what do demons do? If we want to understand how God miraculously works over the power of darkness, what are the roles of demons, right? Um, What do demons do? Let me give you some thoughts, and and they do more, um, but I believe these are the three main categories. The first one is I believe that demons tempt you to sin. Demons tempt you to sin, right? Demons tempt you away from the will of God to sin in life. 
2 Timothy 2, 26 says, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So what will demons do in some form or fashion? They'll communicate to you and they'll convince you of their lies. They'll whisper to you, go ahead. You deserve it. You can watch that. You can touch that. You can smoke this. You can drink this. You can shoot this. You can take that. You see, what they do is they minimize sin on the front side. We won't get caught. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. And then when you do sin, they no longer minimize it. They maximize it. And they say, God will never forgive you. God will never love you. God could never use you. You have ruined your life. What do they do in some form of fashion? They communicate and they tempt you as the devil lays traps and demons try to take you away from serving God. So the first thing demons do is they tempt you into sin. Second thing they do is demons distract you from God's will. Demons distract you from God's will. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits in things taught by demons. You know who it's talking about here? The church. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about the church. It says that they will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things that are taught by demons. Listen, some of you may know someone like this. Or maybe even some of you are like this right now. There was a time when, when you were walking with God but then spirits led you away from, from the purity of the gospel into all sorts of other doctrines, right? You can do what you want. Do whatever makes you feel good, right? Maybe the truth is I believe it's really common today, right? Especially when, when kids who have loved Jesus all their life go off to college and walk away because they are led away from what they know is true, right? But, but, but today, the truth is it doesn't really matter what you believe, right? Right? Isn't that what the world will tell you? That all roads lead to God, right? You can take for you just a little bit of Buddhism. You can take a little bit of Hinduism. You can take some New Age. You can take some Christianity. You can, you can even take some witchcraft and you can mix it all together and you can live a good life and you just put it all in there and mix it all together and you live the, the life you want to live. And, and, and the world will tell you that the Bible's not true, that you don't need God, that you can make your own path. And that's what demons do. They try to convince you that you don't need God. And they tell you that you can do you however you want to do because all roads lead to heaven. Yet we simply know that's not the case because Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way, only one. Third thing I believe that demons do is demons inflict suffering. In the Bible, there's a, a tragic story of a, of a father and a son, and the son has been physically affected by demonic forces. And you find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 15. It says this, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or the water. And Jesus said, bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. See, the demon was inflicting suffering 
And and at the word of Jesus, in a moment, miraculously, the boy was delivered from that suffering. He was being tormented. He was having seizures. He was being thrown into the fire, being thrown into the water. And at a word, at Jesus' word, instantaneously, miraculously, he was set free. What do we know about Jesus? Why did he come? Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. We know that Jesus came to set the captors free. We know that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus came not for those who are healthy, but he came for those who are sick. Jesus didn't come for the self-proclaimed righteousness. He came for the sinners, and he came to set people free. But John 10 tells us Satan's mission. It says that his mission, his goal, is to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you see the difference there? One, Jesus came to bring life, and the other, Satan, came to kill life and destroy everything in it. Here's the truth. I believe that that demons may, may influence depression. I believe that demons can influence suicidal thoughts that they can influence feelings of of desperation. See, demons want to destroy your marriage. They want to ruin your testimony. They want to wreck your finances. Demons want to steal your joy. They want to obliterate your health. And demons want to crush your children. Listen, it's not a game. We're not talking about a red guy with a pitchfork and a little tail that you see in all the cartoons. Right? This is the forces of darkness that hate God and they hate the kingdom of light. And their mission is that every demonic spirit is to hurt what matters to the heart of God. And nothing matters more to God than you do. Listen, their goal is to destroy you. Their goal is to get you to do things you know you shouldn't do. Why? Why? Because it not only affects you, it affects the kingdom. And their goal is to destroy the kingdom. Their their goal is to destroy anything that God loves. And so what do we do? Listen, if you're in Christ, you've been changed. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ, you need to understand that you have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. You need to hear that again. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus if you're a Christian. Listen, we are fighting a battle. But listen, we're not fighting a battle in our power. We're fighting the battle in Christ's power, not our own. Listen, if you've ever been to battle or you've ever thought about battle, they don't run off into battle by themselves. They run into battle with weapons that they have been trained with, that they know how to use so that they can be effective with those weapons. Why? So that they can be defeated? No, so that they can win. But can I tell you, a gun's not going to do any good when it comes to demonic forces. Why? Scripture says we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities of darkness. And we have authority in Jesus' name over the demonic. So how do we tap into that power? 
Matthew 10.1 tells us how to do that. It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Listen, imagine, if you will, for a moment that I'm a police officer, right? And, and imagine I'm, I'm standing in the middle of a road, and imagine there's an 18-wheeler coming. They're speeding. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing, right? And, and as, if I, have a, as a police officer, tell the 18-wheeler the to stop, do I have the physical power to make the vehicle stop, right? Can I stand in front of it, put my hand out like Superman, and stop it? No, I don't have the power to stop the vehicle. But you know what I do have? I do have the authority to stop the vehicle. Right? I've got a badge that tells me that I've got that authority, that if that, that 18 wheeler knows that if he doesn't stop when I tell him to stop, that he's going to have to answer to a higher power other than myself. Right? If the driver's coming and I'm a police officer, I can say stop. And even though I don't have the power, I've got the authority. And if he doesn't obey that authority then he's going to answer to that higher power. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Right? He's got to answer to it. Right? And even in my own life, even though I don't have the power to defeat darkness, I have the authority to declare the name that is above every name, the name who has all power over all darkness, the name of Jesus. Listen, if you are in Christ, you have authority over all darkness in the name of Jesus. First time I saw it, I was on a missions trip. And we were having a great service, and, and people were getting saved, and we were in the middle of a prayer time, and everybody was praying, and all of a sudden, this, this dude in the back of the room started standing up and yelling obscenities and, and saying things you typically don't hear in a church, and just going crazy. And, you know, at this point, I was in high school, and I was a big football player, and so I get up, because I'm going to go take the dude out. Um, like physically, I'm going to knock him out, drag him outside and say, hey man, we ain't doing that here. And I had this, this, this group leader that was with us that, that realized what was happening in the spiritual. See, I only saw what was going on on the physical side of it, and I was prepared to deal with the physical, but I wasn't prepared to deal with the spiritual. And all of a sudden, this group leader came up, got up with me, and I'm like, sweet, I ain't going to have to do it by myself, because this dude was kind of big, and I was kind of glad I didn't have to do it by myself. And all of a sudden, he walked over, he put his hand on his forehead and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. I'm like, dude, we could have just thrown him out the back door. What you doing? I didn't say that. I'm thinking that, and I'm just watching. And all of a sudden, it was like something you'd see out of a movie, and, and there was lots of yelling and screaming and cussing, and all of a sudden, the guy began to shake and convulse. And after about 20, 30 seconds, he calmed down. Like, poof, screaming, cussing, shaking, and then boom. Why? What happened? Somebody took authority over what was going on. What had happened is the guy was demon-possessed. And the group leader was in tune with the Spirit enough to realize it. And he laid hands on him and said, Demon, in the name of Jesus, come out. And he did. And can I tell you, for whatever reason... God's opened my eyes, and in the nature of what I do here, 
Um, as, as being a pastor, I probably see this a lot more than anybody else does. Um, matter of fact, I think back to one occasion when my wife and I were at minister's retreat, and we were just walking around down on the square there in, in San Antonio by the river, and, and, and about probably 50 to 100 yards, um, all of a sudden something quickened my spirit that told me, hey, be on, be on guard. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm about to have to shoot somebody. Um, literally what went through my head. I'm not realizing that I was getting ready to walk into kind of a spiritual battle. And, and as we walked past this guy, as we got closer, all of a sudden I realized, um, because I talked to God and God talks to me, um, I realized that this wasn't a physical thing, it was a spiritual thing. And all of a sudden we got about 50 yards away or so, uh, maybe 30, a little bit closer. Um, all of a sudden I realized this guy was just staring at me. And so I moved my wife to the other side of me, um, away from him, um, because here's the truth is people that are demon-possessed can do anything, and they can be very violent. Um, and, and, and so you know what I did? I just started praying in the Spirit, right? Because I didn't know what to pray, right? And so I began to pray in the Spirit and pray in my, in my prayer language, and, and, and we walked by. And can I tell you, God didn't, didn't, didn't tell me to call him out. Um, it was the weirdest thing. Um, I, I didn't sense that that was what I was supposed to do at that time. Um, and we walked by and like all the way, like dude is just like mean mugging me even as we walk by. Um, just uh, I guess about a, 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 it's been what, six months ago, um, we were at another event and, and we were in Target and, and this guy started yelling and cussing and, and you could tell there was, and, and followed us out and continued to yell and cuss as we got into our vehicle. And can I tell you, it's real. Yet many times we just pretend like it's not, oh, well, they got mental issues, right? They, they've got schizophrenia. They've got whatever it is. And, and, and can I tell you, um, man, sometimes the demonics work in way more than what it is. So what happened that day on the mission field? Somebody understood, understood the authority that they had to use the name of Jesus over a force of darkness and simply took that authority and told the demon to leave. And they did. Listen, in the name of Jesus, that's enough. Right? If you're in Christ, I hope you understand this, that you've got the authority in Jesus' name over, over principalities of darkness. You do. Who do we serve? Man, we serve a miraculous working God who gives you authority over darkness. But let's be honest. It sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Right, and, 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 it, and it's difficult to even remember that we're, we're, that we're doing this. Why? Um, man, I just got to get through the day, right? I got to pay the bills. I got I to do the dishes. I got to get to work and deal with all those things that I've got to work with. And, and I'm trying not to kill my kids. They're like drunk squirrels everywhere, and they're, they've taken us hostage in our own house. Right? I'm just trying to get through the day. And what I often don't recognize is that there's a force of darkness trying to inflict division between me and my wife. That there are forces of darkness trying to not just damage, but destroy my kids. Right? Suicidal thoughts, anger, let's cut on and on, whatever it is. There are forces of darkness, and they want you to be dependent on that chemical or on that lustful image. To where you need something else just to get through the day so that you'll be a prisoner to something. Forces of darkness. So what do we do when we recognize that every day we're in a spiritual battle? Can I tell you, there's, there's two things we don't do. 
Um, two things that, 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 I, I, that we don't want to assume. The first thing is we don't want to assume that every problem is a demonic influence. Right? Sometimes you just did something wrong, and we're in a painful world that has consequences, and you've got a painful consequence. Right? Not, not every problem is a result of demonic influence. But the other assumption that we don't want to do is we don't want to assume that any problem isn't. That any problem isn't a demonic influence. Right? Any anytime you've got a problem, you've got a battle. Right? You've got a temptation, you've got a trial, there's a mountain. What I want to encourage you to do is to do what's natural. Listen, do what's wise and pray for supernatural intervention of the miracle working God. Do what's natural. Listen, if you're struggling financially, you need to make wise decisions when it comes to your finances, right? You need to be tithing. You, you need to not be spending money eating out every single meal, right? You, you need to not be buying $6 Starbucks drinks. You got to be wise. But the flip side of it is you need to invoke the supernatural, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we what do we do when we know what to do, right? So so what do we do? We do what we know to do. We do what we know to do and then we invoke spiritual power that goes beyond what we have. So I want you to use this in every area of your life. Maybe you're battling anxiety. Listen, go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. But then also pray for healing in Jesus name. Maybe you're emotionally suffering or maybe somebody's abused you. Listen, go to a good counselor and get help and then pray for deliverance for that deliverance from that demonic that keeps you in bondage. Listen, you got a child that's rebelling? Take their phone. They'll be okay. I promise you they'll survive, right? Monitor their friends. Monitor who you let them hang out with. Right? Jeannie Mayo says, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Isn't that right? And friends is like an elevator. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. Listen, parents, you've got a responsibility to do what you can do. Take that phone away. Monitor who they can hang out with. But the flip side of it is you've got to pray for divine protection against all the spiritual lies. Right? You, because they are facing stuff on a day-to-day basis and they are being bombarded. So do what's natural, but pray and ask God for the supernatural. Listen, you've got a loved one that's battling with alcohol? Listen, go to a 12-step program. Go to AA. Get the help you need, but then pray for a spiritual victory. Listen, last week I was sick as a dog. What did I do? I went to the doctor. And I got medication. But you know what? I also prayed for divine healing. Right? And and last week, God miraculously healed me at the end of the service. But you know what I kept doing? I kept taking my medication. And I kept believing God that I was still healed. Why? Because that's wise. But I also did the supernatural part of it too. So you've got to do what you can do in the natural. And you invoke the supernatural power of God. Listen, you're going to be prompted. Listen to me, you're, you're going to be prompted. If you're in Christ, you're a spiritual being. Your spirit is connected to God. 
So watch for those promptings when they come into life, when you remember that everything is not physical, that many of the things that, that may be spiritual. As uh, today I want to share with you guys a story that a, that a pastor told. And, and he told this story of several years ago. He was, on a, he was preaching at a minister's conference in Hawaii, um, really suffering for Jesus there. Um, but he didn't have a ton of break. He didn't have a lot of downtime. And he was preaching and preaching and preaching. And the only downtime he had was from about 2 o'clock in the afternoon until about 7 or 8 o'clock that night when their plane left. And so he and his wife, being in Hawaii, decided they were going to go to the beach. The beach was a good way away from the hotel. Hotel. And so they walked. They left the hotel, walked down to the beach, and they were laying there. And, and all of a sudden, he, he gets this prompting in his spirit, and he says to his wife, Man, I, I, I think I need to reach out to Ethan. And his wife was like, well, if you feel that prompting, you probably should do it. And he's like, well, but my phone's back at the hotel. That's like, it'd take me 30 minutes to get back there. I'm just not going to do it. She goes, look, if, if God is telling you to do it, you need to do it. And so like every good husband, he listened to his wife and, and walked back to the hotel, got his phone. Um, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon there. Um, he forgot about the time difference um, back in the States. And so he picked up the phone and he called this, this kid and, and, and the other voice on the phone goes, why are you calling me? Why are you calling me right now? And, and the pastor goes, oh man, I forgot about the difference. You know, it's probably like midnight there. And, and, and the kid again was going, why are you calling me right now? Why are you calling me right now? This very minute, why are you doing it? And all of a sudden this pastor began to realize in his spirit that something was up and that this timing meant something. And, and so he began to to talk to Ethan, and he said, Ethan, are, are, are you thinking about hurting yourself? And Ethan replied, yes, I am. And, and, and he continued, and, and he felt this prompting. He said, Ethan, do you, do you have a gun right now, and are you thinking about shooting yourself? And he said, yes, I am. And, and all of a sudden, this pastor began to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and he prayed with him, and, and, and he didn't commit suicide. And, and, and he, he walking through very practically said, hey, I want you to go wake up the neighbors and go sleep in their house and not where your gun is. And, and can I tell you, this morning, he's sitting in a church in Oklahoma right now because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, there have been times in our lives where we've experienced that same thing. But can I tell you, you don't have to be a pastor to get that kind of prompting from the Holy Spirit. See, Scripture tells us the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's living in each one of us, not just me, but also you. And the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. Why? Because maybe he wants to use you to reach an Ethan. Listen, this, the Holy Spirit will prompt you, every single one of you, Listen, maybe today the Spirit will prompt you to reach out to somebody here at the church, or maybe the Spirit will prompt you when you go out to lunch here in, in a few minutes if pastor ever shuts up and quits preaching. And maybe the Holy Spirit will prompt you to reach out or to make a phone call to someone. Listen, just follow the promptings. Just follow the promptings. What did Jesus do when he rose from the, from the, from the dead? What did he do? He defeated darkness. Listen, you've got authority over darkness in Jesus' name. So what is darkness? 
Um, let me tell you what darkness is not. Darkness is, is not the opposite of light, right? We often think that, that, well, darkness is the opposite of light, right? The opposite of light is dark. No, that's not it. Darkness is the absence of light. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world. If you are following Christ, he dwells within you. You've got that same light dwelling in you. John 1, 5 says, A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Listen, anytime there is spiritual darkness, you walk in, light walks in. Do you hear me? And light always defeats darkness. If you're in Christ, you've got the authority over darkness, and in the name of Jesus, you can take authority. You say it, you speak it verbally. I take authority over the forces of darkness, trying to lead my children away. I bind up every demonic force that is attacking my marriage. You do what is natural, but you also invoke the supernatural of God. Listen, some of you in here, your kids are going through what they're going through because you haven't stood up and taken the authority that Christ has given you over their lives. That Christ has given you over the spirit of demonic forces that are walking, that are working in them. Can I tell you one of the, I, I, and I've heard my parents pray it. I've heard my aunt who loves Jesus like crazy say it. They're like, well, God, if you can't reach him, just release him to the devil to let the devil do it. That's dumb. That's dumb. Because I know how the devil works. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, parents, instead of giving up on your kid and turning them over to the devil, what would happen if you began to take the authority that God given you over darkness and begin to cry out and plead the blood of Jesus over their life? Listen, some of your kids just need to be set free from demonic forces. Now look, all your kids ain't demons. If you walk away going, Pastor said my kid's a demon, you're a liar. I didn't say that. But can I tell you, sometimes we don't realize the demonic force that's working in them. Can I tell you, just a few weeks ago, we dealt with something with our seven-year-old that we shouldn't have to deal with with a seven-year-old. And can I tell you, I immediately sensed in my spirit it was demonic. And you know what I started doing? I started praying over him. I started telling him it was okay. Not what he did, but that I still loved him. Because you know, as a seven-year-old, he still knows that what he did was wrong. But you know what I've been doing since then? Number one, I did what I could do in the natural. Number one, our kids don't get our phones anymore. Number two, we took his electronics away for over a month. See, that's doing what I can do in the natural to make sure that he doesn't see what he saw. Right? But you think that's all I did? If you think that's all I did, you're stupid. Listen, because I began to pray and begin to use the authority that God given me over darkness in my house and begin to pray over my seven-year-old kid that he would have pure eyes, that he would have a pure heart so that he doesn't have to deal with the stuff that I used to have to deal with. Listen, you don't know me, you don't know my story, but there was years that I was dragged down and stuck in sin. Because of what I allowed my eyes to see. It started with the photo. But can I tell you, eventually that photo doesn't do enough. And eventually I got to act out on that photo. Right? And then all of a sudden that photo doesn't give me the rush that I needed. And so now I needed real people to act out what I had in photos. And can I tell you, for years and years I was in bondage. Because I didn't take the authority over the darkness in my life. 
And can I tell you, I know the struggle that it was. The struggle of being a young pastor who's caught up in a life of sin and sex, who's caught up in a life of pornography, get done preaching a Wednesday night sermon to youth and then being at home looking at pornography, doing things you shouldn't be doing. And the guilt that I carried for years as a young pastor that I didn't have to carry because I was too ashamed to let go and let God have it. See, back then I didn't understand that God had given me the authority over these things in my life. Listen, maybe that's you. And we already spoke about it once today. But maybe your pride got in the way and and you're not letting God do what God wants to do. But can I tell you, it's time that you begin to take back the authority that God has given you. So I began to pray for my son. And you know what? It's my prayer that none of my kids, because it's not just a man issue. It's a little girl issue, too. It's a woman issue. It's a humanity issue. And so I began to pray that my kids will never have to walk through the bondage that I did. See, my wife never walked through that bondage, but I did. And can I tell you, it's not something I want for my kids. So I have taken the authority that God gave me, and I'm praying that over them. Does it mean that they'll never mess up? Unfortunately, probably not. Can I control everything they look at? No, because they'll eventually not be in our house. They'll go to school and they'll see things and hear things that I wish they hadn't seen and heard. But you know what I can do? I can do what I can do in the natural, and I can do what I can do in the supernatural, and I can trust God that he'll protect them. we got to begin to take that authority back. Why? Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the belt of truth, the shoes prepared for the gospel, for the readiness of peace, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. Listen, you need to recognize that you are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. I'm going to say that again. You're not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. Listen, if you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in Jesus' name. So, Father, today we ask you, that you would do miracles. God, we we pray that as your church rises up and, and recognizes that we're in a spiritual battle, God, give us the faith, God, to be light in the middle of darkness. God, today, <coughs> t- today there's those in here today that would say that they're they're maybe they're they're in the middle of a spiritual battle. There, there's hurt, there's pain, there's challenges. And today you want the faith to take authority over it in Jesus' name. 
Listen, I believe that, that his light, I need his power, I need his light to help overcome some trial or darkness. That's you. And you'd say, today I just need the power of God in my life. Would you lift up your hand right now? I see your hand. Anyone else? Right there. I see it. Anyone else? I see your hands in the back. You need a miracle. Father, I, I pray that we would have the wisdom to do what we can do. But God, that we would have the faith to do and to ask what we cannot do. God, do miracles. God, do miracles. God, in any sense, in any way where, where there may be spiritual lies, fear, spiritual darknesses attacking, we ask that you would bind those up in the heavenly places. God, protect our minds from spiritual lies. God, replace them with truth. We thank you that greater is the risen Christ that dwells within us, that we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead inside those of us who have been made new. God, help us to step into the gift of authority that you've given us. God, not our power, but the power of your risen son, Jesus. God, may we fight not just naturally, but fight spiritually and supernaturally. God, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. God, ours are powerful. They're spiritual, pulling down spiritual strongholds. Empower us to you. Empower us, God, to be your church. As you keep praying, there are some of you right now that you don't really know where you stand with God. Let me tell you what's happening in another realm right now. There's a war for you going on. Listen, there's a war, and you might be drawn to the things of God right now. Wow, there's something to this. Maybe I should give my life to God. Maybe there's more spiritual, and there's this voice that's going to say, that's stupid. Don't get emotional. Why would you do that? Just, hey, do your own thing. You're fine. Listen, there's a war going on. Do you hear me? The enemy, the, the father of lies, is out warring war. And Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The truth is, is not just an idea. The truth is a person. Jesus said, there's no way to come to God except through me. If there was another way, Jesus wouldn't have had to die in our place. He was the Lamb of God. His, his blood was shed on the cross and he died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins and God raised him from the dead it wasn't a temporary sacrifice it was a permanent sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and today you're being drawn you have a choice you can listen to the uh, to the lies or you can surrender to the truth Today, those who would say, I recognize I'm not walking with God. I don't have his peace. Listen, when you call on that name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, God hears your prayer. He forgives your sin. You become completely brand new. You're not a better version of yourself. The old you is gone and the new you is born spiritually. Everything changes in a moment. Those of you who say, yes, I need his grace. Yes, I surrender. Today I turn from my sins. I give my life to Jesus. That's your prayer. Just lift your hand right there where you are. I see your hand right there. Anyone else? Others of you, listen, maybe you're leaning in. You're asking yourself, should I do it? Listen, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Today you would say, yes, Jesus, I completely surrender to you. If that's you, raise your hand right where you are. 
I see your hands. Would everybody pray this prayer out loud with me? Pray, Heavenly Father, I trust you with my life. Forgive my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can walk in faith, so I can walk in victory, living by your power. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.